When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. And we welcome to the show our dear friend Andy McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy is a former prosecutor. He's a editor, columnist for National Review, Fox News, contributor, all these things that are great. He's a very busy chap. Uh, Andrew, uh, thank you. I know you were... Just on Neil Cavuto, I, I saw a picture of you, but I couldn't hear it, so I don't know what you told Neil. And I want to know. Oh well, I want to know everything. <laughs> well, my, basically, Larry, and you're very kind to say all this, but if I'm having my 15 minutes, that means it's a problem for the country. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Do you realize that you and I conducted our own interview? On another show, Sandra Smith's show the other day. <laughs> it was they great. just get out of the way, though. That was fun. Ah, it was great fun. Um, so I'm looking at your New York Post article from yesterday, your, your column in the Post, and that you're saying Biden has already admitted guilt. Yep. He, he's just betting Garland doesn't prosecute him uh, or Trump. Um, so basically, right, you're saying we've already witnessed a guilty plea. They've said it, these documents for document inadvertently misplaced. I'm still not sure what that means. But um, if you could expand on the already admitted guilt, how you see that. Well, in most crimes, you have to prove that the person um, willfully violated the criminal law. So, you know, the easy case is a, a bank robbery. Nobody robs a bank by mistake or by sloppiness. You know, it's a plan. You willfully do it. Classified information handling is different because government officials who get access to classified information um, basically have to pledge that they're going to keep it in the correct and secure manner. That's a condition of getting access to it. So unlike most criminal statutes, the standard with classified information is you can be guilty if the prosecution can prove that you were grossly negligent in handling it. Mm. Now, they always obscure this, like with Hillary Clinton, this is the famous example. They said, you know, there's no evidence that she was trying to harm the United States or selling us out to another country. Or any, and they say that because people figure that that's usually the, the kind of thing you have to prove in the criminal law. But you don't have to prove it with respect to classified documents. The issue is, was the person cavalier, you know, completely reckless uh, in handling Information and the reason for that is not only because they're they're trusted with access to this information that it's privileged, you know, the rest of us don't get to get to see it, but also because if it falls into the wrong hands, it can be catastrophic for the country if the stuff really is top secret information that can reveal methods and sources of intelligence. So that's why it's handled that way. And when you say, you know, I inadvertently misplaced it, that's tantamount to saying that you were grossly negligent with mm. it. So. I think at this point, Larry, he's really not going to contest. If, if they're going to stick with this story, I think he's not contesting the underlying facts of the case. 
and he's banking on the idea that uh, Garland probably won't prosecute him because Hillary didn't get prosecuted and his offense, while bad, is not as bad as hers. Well, if all that's true, then I can think of somebody else who shouldn't be prosecuted either. Yeah, well, you know, I totally agree with that. I, I think, um, you know, this, the parlor game this week has been to compare Trump and Biden. And I, I just think a lot of that is, um, you know, I mean, you could bat that back and forth all day long, right? To me, um, you know, having done this sort of thing for a long time, the context of this is more important. And the the context here for evaluating both these cases is they let Clinton get away with a egregious violation. So that's the that's the field of play we're on. Hmm. And if you were the Justice Department working on a Trump case before the Biden thing erupted, what you I think would be saying as a prosecutor is we have a very small margin for error if we're going to be able to show people or claim to people that Trump is uniquely awful in a way that justifies prosecuting him, even though Hillary got a pass. Mm. Now, I, I think that's really uphill no matter what. But one thing's for sure, and, and that is they couldn't afford for anything to go wrong if you're going to try to make that case. Mm. And then to have it developed that the sitting president of the United States committed the same crime that you're investigating Trump for, I, I just don't think they can sustain that kind of damage and have a case. Maybe even worse, because after all, presidents can declassify. Vice presidents cannot. I mean, let, right. let me go back a step. So, you know, I was talking to, let's see, Thursday night you came on our show and uh, on the TV show at Fox Business. And then after you, we had Mike Pence, who went right. through a similar, you know, Pence uh, retired from the vice presidency. Now, Vice President Andrew McCarthy uh, you you can't walk out of the office with sackfuls of classified documents, and then like go to your beach house or your Wilmington house or your downtown Washington D.C. think tank. You can't do that. The document, even though he has security clearance, the documents right. are supposed to legally go to the National Archives. That's where they're right. supposed to go. And then if he wants to read them there in a skiff or something. Fine. But he didn't. Apparently, he didn't do that, or at least in so far as however many. I don't even know how many documents they've uncovered. But that's that's my point. Your first stop, if you want to write a book or something, your first stop has got to be the National Archives, not your house or your office. <laughs> I mean, that's a yeah, very that's, simple thing to understand. That's exactly right. And I I, I watched your uh, interview with uh, with Vice President Pence and I thought. You know, he, he what he said, as I understood it, was, you know, look, I had access and I had a clearance and I could do all these things. But it, for my purposes, it was perfectly fine to have his military aide show up, that he would review the uh, documents under safe circumstances. And then they use the burn bag and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, be done with it. And, you know, if you don't if you don't need to do more than that and he could do his job, uh, obviously, you know, with that level of care and information, fine. But for others who have, like, I had a security clearance during, the, you know, prosecuting uh, national security cases in the 90s. Uh, the fact that I had a clearance didn't mean I could leave the secure, the skiff, um, with the documents. I had to, I had to, I could only review them in a place where they were allowed to be reviewed. 
So having a having a security clearance is only half the uh, equation. That gives you the you know privileged access to the documents, but you still have to uh, review them under lawful circumstances. And obviously, Biden didn't do that here. I mean, Pence was very clear in that sense. <laughs> Pence's basic message was, um, uh, I didn't do this, and he shouldn't have either. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, in some sense, you know, Mike Pence is a very homey way of saying things from Indiana. But look, Andrew, I had a, you know, high, I had a high security clearance, but I couldn't take anything home. I don't even mean after I left office, during. Now, some people yeah. can, like if they, like Robert O'Brien or somebody or a national security advisor might have a skiff built at home, right. you know, one of these uh, security uh, protected rooms. Uh, I didn't. I, did, I mean, I was asked. I cho- No, I don't want to do that. I wasn't allowed to bring anything uh, home. Had to go in the safe at night. Right. That's the deal. Well, you know, look, that's, I think, you know, those of us who have had to deal with this stuff, um, it's kind of the ball and chain of government. I hated yeah. having to deal with it because yeah. if you're going to do it by the book, um, it's very inconvenient. You know, when I was doing them, even if I had a mafia case, Larry, where I'd have, you know, reports that I wanted to review, mm-hmm. where if if they fell into the wrong hands, if I misplaced them, you know, an informant could be found out and that could be dangerous. It was I could still bring stuff home, even if it was, uh, you know, midnight and I had to be back to the office early in the morning and sit there and read for a couple of hours if I needed to before I went back. You can't do that with classified information. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, respect the rules for how you, well, you're supposed to respect the rules for uh, for how you handle it. But, you know, again, I think we, we see this again and again and again. These uh, famous guys who are more often than not Democrats think that either the rules don't apply to them or they have a special set of rules. That's and, you know, Clinton, the Clintons lived their whole career um, in a way, in an entitled way, which suggested that, you know, there was a separate set of rules for them and for everyone else. And I think what, what Biden did here was he probably needed those documents, whether it was to write his memoir or whatever he was doing. Uh, and he didn't follow the rules because he didn't think the rules applied to him. He's been in government for 50 years mm-hmm. and, you know, he's living in a cocoon where the rules don't apply to him. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly right. A um, couple other points here, Andrew. I think we talked about this when you came on our show Thursday night, but I, I'm still waiting for the FBI, and I'm still waiting for them to inspect a crime scene, as you described it. And I don't understand what these – I think if I have this right, personal lawyers were uh, cleaning up this Penn-Biden center because he was going into back to the White House to become president. Uh, but White House counsel lawyers uh, were cleaning the garage and the Corvette. Why they were there, I don't know. Maybe they were because um, the cleaning ladies came late that day. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand any of that. But I, I mean, who are these lawyers? I mean, they're White House well, counsel lawyers. Um, some of them, you know, I know all about that. Look. Um, all that's on the second floor of the West Wing where my offices were. Some of them have good security. Some of them have high security clearances. Some of them have lower security clearances. You know, uh, Andy McCarthy, I don't I don't understand any of this. Why isn't the FBI doing all this? It, and what is last question? I know I'm running on with questions. What are they looking for? 
What are they looking for all of a sudden? Well, I suspect what happened, Larry, is they found unexpectedly this batch of classified documents in the in the Biden or the Penn Biden Center, that uh, Chinese funded think tank that he's got in Washington. And that probably caused a hot panic. They had to notify the archives of that and apparently surrendered the documents. And then I assume what happened in the way of damage control was, you know, they got together at the White House and they figured, you know, gee, we better go through all of his stuff uh, and and make sure there's no other documents. What, what's very strange to me, aside from the fact that uh, you would think that the FBI should have been involved coordinating that and treating these locations like uh, crime scenes. But but I, I just don't uh, understand how we know about this in the first place. And secondly, if you're going to take the political hit for delaying, telling everybody what happened, I mean, they waited over two months, then why don't you make sure you've had, you know, you've, you've tracked down every single potential document so you only have to take this hit once. Instead, they waited over two months and then they announce it on a Monday, or we find out about it on a Monday. And the next thing we know, on Tuesday and Wednesday, we're hearing about more locations and more mm-hmm. documents. So it just sounds to me like this is being handled in a really ham-handed way. And you would think that the FBI should have been involved in it from November 2nd. So what they've been doing for the last two months, God knows. And Andy, not only since November 2nd, pre-election, and I don't mean to be vindictive here. I'm looking at legal process here. If if you're worried all of a sudden that uh, classified documents are scattered hither and yon, including your uh, garage, why isn't the FBI going through all of his areas? Yes, exactly right. Rehoboth, uh, the bedrooms of all these houses, the beach house. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's what they did to Trump. Um, And again, I I don't mean to be vindictive, but if you're going to scrub it, scrub it. Why did they just go to the garage? Yeah, that just seems like common sense to me, Larry. I mean, you know, you don't know anyone. um, You know, people are either careful or they're not. Right. You don't uh, you don't run into people who are careful on Monday and Wednesday. But the rest of the week, you know, you better watch out for them. And you don't run into people who are careful in particular places, but not everywhere. So, you know, the chances are if he if he handled these kind of materials in the office that way, you know, somebody wise in his circle should have been able to say, you know, look, we have to scrub every place. And we mm-hmm. shouldn't say, that, you know, remember when Trump's search happened, Merrick Garland gave a press conference the same week. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of criticism for it, and rightly so. Um, they didn't say anything. So they had the advantage of they have their own government in place. Uh, the attorney general wasn't going to, you know, rat out the president or, you know, hurt the Democrats right on the eve of the election. That's just politics. It's just the way it is. But if you have that advantage, why don't you take the two months and do a thorough investigation so that when you finally fess up, you only have to do it once? I just don't understand what they're doing. That's a great point, actually. Andy Andy McCarthy, just hang with me. i got to take a quick commercial break and then come right back and we'll finish this off. You're an absolute prince for doing this. Folks, we're talking to the great Andrew McCarthy former prosecutor here in New York, National Review, uh, Fox News contributor, great friend of ours. We'll be right back. I'm Kudlow. Now back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking to the great Andrew McCarthy, former prosecutor, 
National Review uh, contributor, columnist, and Fox News contributor, and one hell of a good lawyer. Uh, Angie, I want to ask you just the last piece of this. Um, James Comer, who's going to be the new oversight chairman uh, of the House Republicans, as you may know, he uh, wants a list of names and locations linked to the Biden document searches. Um because he's going to hold hearings. But I guess my question to you is, if you have a special counsel, will that close down any other investigation? They'll just say, we can't tell you anything um, because we have this special counsel investigation. Will that stop everything else? Yeah, well, that's part of why they do it, Larry. I think that they're going to try that. But, you know, what I would say if I were uh, Chairman Comer is, we just watched the nine, the January 6th committee uh, conduct its investigation um, and issue subpoenas. And it didn't matter to them that there were 900 people who were being prosecuted for the Capitol riot. They had their primetime hearing in the middle of Steve Bannon's mm. criminal trial. They didn't they didn't care that that could prejudice the outcome of a case. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be very tolerant of the Justice Department saying that now because there's an investigation on Congress can't Mm. investigate because, you know, they allowed the January 6th committee carte blanche. And, you know, the way it's supposed to work in this system, our constitutional system, is the main check on executive misconduct is supposed to be Congress. It's not supposed to be prosecutors who work for the president Mm. in the executive branch. So they should just use subpoenas. I mean, their subpoenas are actionable and you know, the Democrats are going to scream bloody murder and say, oh, you're interfering with the criminal investigation. But I wouldn't I wouldn't tolerate that after what we just saw for the last two years. Mm. That's a good point. So they can use subpoenas. Yeah. Boy. They are the ones who are supposed they are the ones constitutionally who have the main responsibility to to check executive branch access. Hmm. Good point. So where's this lead? I mean, is it like um you know, two guys playing tennis, we're in the fifth set, and we have a tiebreaker that goes on for six hours, and we finally call it a draw, Trump versus Biden on classified documents. Yeah. Where does this, how does this that, work? I think it's not that exciting. I think what happens is in the middle of the fifth set, the lights go out, and, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to play anymore. I know. Um, you know, so I think that I don't see – I don't see that they're ever going to charge Biden for this. And what they'll rationalize is that, you know, this isn't nearly as serious as what Hillary did. But the fact is, if they don't prosecute Biden, I don't see how they prosecute Trump because Biden wants to get reelected in 2024. And I I don't think he should get reelected, but he's got to know that the country's on fire with this idea that there's two tiers of justice in this in this country, depending on, you know, what your partisan affiliation is. So they can't prosecute Trump after giving Biden a pass. I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, already it appears again, I go back to the question, where's the FBI? It appears that the handling of the Trump case was a lot more harsh and severe and intrusive than the handling of the Biden case so far, so far. Uh, Mm -hmm. And as we were talking before the break, um, you know, well, what were they doing in the garage? Why, why, why weren't they in either other parts of the house or different houses or whatever? Um, already it seems unfair. I and mean, I think people are taking notice of that. 
Yeah, and it, and it feeds on an impression that people already have, which isn't just an impression. It's reality. You know, they look at the the Hillary Clinton emails investigation. She got cut every break under the sun, mm-hmm. whereas the Russiagate investigation, they went after these guys, Hammer and Tom. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the, you know, the Capitol riot. I'm not I'm not here to make an apology for rioters, but, you know, that was a five hour riot where, contrary to what they're saying, no law enforcement people actually got killed. Uh, and in the meantime, we had five months of rioting or more after the, the George Floyd incident, and mm. everybody got a pass. Mm. You know, there was no uh, appetite to investigate that a tenth of the way that they investigated the Capitol riot. So I think, you know, people see this stuff, Larry, and they just it, it really it's it's a compromise of the legitimacy mm. of the justice system. And if you don't have rule of law. We can't have a, you know, we can't have an economically flourishing society. We can't have anything. Well, I agree totally with that. I think uh, we're running out of time and I got to let you enjoy your weekend. I think this does a lot of political damage to Biden. You know, the self-righteous indignation attacks against Trump. He can't really, that's gone. That's gone. And uh, so the politics change here. You mentioned the economy. Uh, my opening, and I said this last night on our TV show, this helps Kevin McCarthy's House Republicans get a good budget through because it weakens Joe Biden quite a bit. Anyway, Andrew McCarthy, you are a prince. You are the best of the best. Thanks for giving us your time here on a Saturday. Folks, I'm Cudlow, and uh, we're going to take a commercial break. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk some more about the economy. We've got to talk about the economy. It's a very mixed bag. You know what I mean? Don't give up hope, America. Maybe things are changing for the better. I'm Cudlow. We'll be back after this message. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Cudlow Show. 